Give me a go, no go for launch. Just when you think you're out, they pull you back in. I was gonna say something that was not true. I, I don't know why we do these. Let's make film history. We are go for launch. Welcome back, everybody. Almost Sideways Podcast. Last episode was number 50. We're on to episode 51. Moving on. It's been a few weeks. Uh, life comes at you pretty fast. Uh, Zach and I are into uh, into the school year, which means our availability is a little a little less uh, less easy to come by. Uh, and in fact, Zach isn't here today. We uh, we weren't able to to all get together on a time, but we wanted to still get a podcast out to you guys. Uh, as always, I'm Terry Plucknett, your host, and today I'm only joined by my brother Todd Plucknett. How's it going, Todd? Uh, it's going pretty good. I thought you were going to go full on Ferris Bueller quote and be like, "Life moves by pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You can miss I, it." I was I was kind of referencing it, but I didn't go. <laughs> I didn't want to go all the way there. Last time I tried to, you know, I tried to make a reference on you on the podcast that went right over your head, so. Um, I knew what it was, I just, I went <laughs> deeper than you were going. Uh, so I was thinking about this, so so last time we were recording was three weeks ago. Uh, the podcast came out two weeks ago. And last time we recorded, uh, we were, the big discussion was, in the middle of recording, Andrew Luck retired. And uh, are we also going to be talking about on this podcast the potential retirement of another Colts legend, Adam Vinatieri? I mean, I heard he potentially, uh, he, he gave a very cryptic message to the press after a, a, a second lackluster game to start the season. I, I didn't even hear about that. That would be, uh, that'd be strange. He's like one of the only players that's been in the league longer than Brady, right? I think so. And they played together. He might be the only player. Probably. Probably. <laughs> Well, anyways, thank you so much uh, for listening. Uh, as always, uh, you can find us at almostsideways.com. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter. Please find us on iTunes. Find the podcast there. Subscribe, rate, review. Um, talk to others. Get them to subscribe. And, and I've heard that subscribing, unsubscribing, and then resubscribing again actually helps our numbers. So if you want to do something like that, uh, the more the more attention that uh, that we get on there, the uh, the more people will be will be listening to us. So this is potentially going to be a, a shorter episode here, as we're not going to do a full-fledged episode. Uh, we're going to be uh, reviewing a new movie that just came out in theaters, uh, kind of a surprise hit that came out of nowhere, and then looking at uh, looking at the Oscar race, and uh, as as the big, uh, the big awards, uh, or not the big awards, the big festivals, that's the word I was looking for. The big festivals are... Uh, are behind us or wrapping up and uh, what we know now about uh, about Oscar season. So let's get into this and let's get to our movie review. I love this movie so much. I did not really like this film at all. This is the most Zach movie ever made. You gotta see it. Movie reviews. We, uh, like I said, we're reviewing one of these surprise hits that kind of came out of nowhere. No one really saw this coming, and uh, it became kind of a critical darling. Um, and that is Hustlers, uh, the the brand new movie that just came out starring Constance, Constance Wu and Jennifer Lopez. Oh, pause for a second. I completely forgot something. Todd, what are you drinking? I am drinking the uh, 
Costco scotch, which is actually a decent scotch. It's it's not like bargain brand or anything. It's a it actually has a really good flavor. Costco scotch. Well, there you go. Uh, yeah. I'm I'm drinking Rogue Brewery is one of my favorites. It's right out of Portland, and I'm drinking the drinking their six hop IPA. Uh, it is like the bitterest IPA I've ever had. And, nice. uh, yeah, I bought this thing a while ago, and I really have to be in the mood for an IPA to even want to attempt to drink one of these. So I thought the podcast was the best time to do it. So it's a six you hop. You more canned IPAs than anyone I know. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a, it's a six hop IPA. Its alcohol content is 6.66. Um, yeah, they really leaned into that. But, uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a strong one. And, uh. Yeah, the bitterness is strong with this one. In- cheers, Brohim. Cheers. So now that that's out of the way, Todd, tell us all about Hustlers. Okay, Hustlers is the new movie directed by uh, Lorraine Scafaria. I think she's I think she's Italian. That's probably how you pronounce it. Uh, it's a movie that. Maybe un- more than any other movie that we've reviewed on this podcast is totally right up my alley. Like, uh, it's the true story of the group of strippers who scheme Wall Street assholes by drugging them and charging their credit cards. Progressively getting more and more dangerous in who and how they do it, and like who they involve, who they are trying to rip off, and how they deal with it. Everything begins somewhat harmless. They're just like taking money out of the pockets of rich men. With who ones that they know have ulterior motives in going to the strip club, and in their business transactions, uh, but they become almost sociopathic when they when the money drug really starts kicking in. Uh, the leader of the group is Ramona, played by Jennifer Lopez. Uh, she's the queen bee, and she's uh, she devises the plan after the financial crisis. And then there's uh, Dorothy. She takes her under her wing. She's played by Constance Wu. She's a newer stripper, she really just gets into the business in order to help her grandmother, uh, and their close friendship is really the thing that uh, makes the all, it all possible, because they have a kind of trust that they need to really make things work. And there's also Annabelle, played by Lily Reinhardt, and Mercedes, played by Kiki Palmer, and I just want to say, it makes me feel really old to know that Aquila and the Bee is playing a stripper who is scheming Wall Street guys. <laughs> uh, but... <laughs> And the other sort of half-main character is uh, Elizabeth, played by Julia Stiles, who is the reporter who wrote the article that the movie is based on, and she's interviewing Dorothy after the fact, almost uh, feeling a bit like I, Tonya or something in its format. Uh, Constance Wu is terrific in this. Like, you, she's become a fairly bankable Hollywood star, I feel like, and like we actually care about her because she's the one who isn't just money hungry. She kind of makes it seem legit, and she justifies her actions and makes it like a business, kind of like the, you know, the boiler room guys that she's ripping off and their day to, that rip people off in their day to day dealings and stuff. Jennifer Lopez is fantastic and dominating. There's a bit of like Dominic Toretto and Jesse in like their friendship. It, like it's that like that, uh, like that association really makes the movie go, and it's like it makes it really fun to watch. And uh, it, might, it might not be Lopez's most expressive role or her sexiest role, but she is it's an incredibly high war. It's hard to picture anybody else nailing it like that. And she has, like, this, like, crazy New York accent, which I didn't even know that was possible for her. Uh, 
the movie, I feel like, is the opposite of uh, Scafaria's last movie, Seeking a Friend for the End of the World, which had an amazing trailer, and it was one of my most anticipated movies that year, but it was really kind of a disappointment. This movie, I feel like the trailer didn't do a whole lot to really let you know what kind of movie you're getting into, but uh, it's so much more interesting than expected uh like she recently stated that uh she worked in boiler rooms when she was younger and so she like really saw like who the real schemers are and you kind of feel that like you could you could almost feel like the the guys that they're ripping off almost deserved it and like you understand the the plight of these girls and like what and why they're doing what they're doing and i i don't know the movie's really slick and uh it's a lot of fun there's definitely some goodfellas vibes there's uh, a little matchstick man, a little middleman, definitely boiler room and stuff like that. I I just find it uh, interesting that uh, the these normal uh, crime stories usually are all starring men, but this one is all women. And I, I but it doesn't feel like anything, any sort of a gimmick. It feels like identical in style, but it's like the same kind of yeah, it's the same kind of thing. And maybe that's the point because. Uh, well, we we get behind them just as much as we get behind the people in, like, The Wolf of Wall Street who are, you know, ripping people off. The, the one complaint I have is, like, it takes about 30 minutes, I feel like, to get going. Uh, it it kind of gets caught up in, like, the strip club stuff. Like, I, I enjoy, like, sexy stripper scenes as much as anybody, but similar to a Magic Mike, I guess, it just kind of gets a little lost in that, and it, it can't really shed that sleazy tag for a little while. But then it gets going, and it really is cool. It's It's a wild ride, and... It may not be the best kind of movie in the in the true crime genre, but uh, it, it is a lot of fun. I kind of want to see it again. It's a, it's a really high three stars. All right. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I've got it at three stars, too. It was a lot of fun. I can see what you're saying by it took a little while to get going, but it felt like as soon as as soon as soon Dorothy met Ramona, the, the story took off. Like, as soon as Jennifer Lopez was on screen... All of a sudden, you had you had yourself a movie. Um, she, like you said, she is a, a force in this movie and shows once again that she was a pretty brilliant actor before she ever got to be a singer or a celebrity. And people often forget that. I mean, they forget that she had... You know, she had Selena and she had Out of Sight and she had all these movies before her first album was released or before she ever dated Ben Affleck Um, or Alex Rodriguez, if you want to go a little further or Mark Anthony. I mean, that's kind of been her persona over the last 20 years, but she shows in this one that though she actually started by by acting and she still has it. yeah, I noticed the New York accent, too, and it kind of was just like, okay, she's going to truly show us that she's still Jenny from the block. Because yeah. <laughs> that's really what it felt like. It's like, oh, this this is what, this is what uh, J-Lo would have sounded like if she, you know, never left the Bronx. <laughs> yeah, if she was never on American Idol and, like, <laughs> completely had the opposite persona. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, it, it, was, it was so much fun. I... I constantly had to be reminding myself that this wasn't a Soderbergh movie as I was watching it because it felt a lot like Magic Mike with like little glimpses of either like Ocean's Eleven or Logan Lucky or something like that. Kind of Logan Lucky, I would say, because that was one where you had the criminals, but they were kind of bumbling idiots at the same time. And this all kind of spirals into just them 
just being bumbling idiots by the end. Um, but, uh, but no, it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, it, uh, I, I, yeah, I, the, the audience I saw it with was having, having a lot of fun with it and laughing all, all the way through. Uh, it's a funny movie. It's a, it's a thrilling movie. And, uh, but also it has, it has heart and, uh, and yeah, like you said, it kind of takes what you would see in like a typical true crime caper movie and flips it on its head. And, uh, so yeah, I'm giving it a solid three stars as well. Yeah, I also feel like Frank Whaley is perfect at playing exactly what he was, which is just like this sleazy, rich businessman. Like, and w- when he walks in, it's like, yeah, he deserves to get his like, get his ass robbed. <laughs> did Did you recognize Mercedes Rule right away? It took a minute for me to realize who it was. I know her voice, but I it, it she looks old. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I did not even realize it was her until the closing credits, and I saw her name. Like, whoa, okay. Her, she's in this. Yeah. Um, so one of the things, as this was starting to be seen by some people, and we'll be getting into this a little bit more also, but I wanted to ask it now. Um, do you think Jennifer Lopez has any shot at an Oscar nomination? I, I believe that she needs to go supporting for that to be a possibility right, but yeah right. I, I really do think she has an, a, a chance because i mean like, like i i don't know i remember saying on the podcast one episode i because i just watched like knock around guys and i was talking about how vin diesel was like so obviously the movie star but he's not the main character Th- that's the same way you feel about about jennifer lopez in this like she shows up she's not the main character but she feels like she dominates the movie to make her almost the main character because she's just so her presence on screen is just so magnetic and I, I feel like, but she's if she's the lead, I don't think she. It's not a deep enough role for her to actually get a, a, a nomination. But like supporting roles, are are more open to more comedic performances and more just like eccentric performances, and this would this would give her a lot better shot. Yeah, um, I think it's it's pretty. I I was as I was watching it, it's pretty safe to compare this to Matthew McConaughey and Magic Mike. I think it's kind of a similar performance and and uh, kind of throw. Well, he definitely like, he was like the third lead in that movie. Like that, like I, there's going to be a, a issue with her category place because I feel like the Golden Globes are going to nominate for best actress in a comedy, but she's going to need to go supporting in order to get an Oscar nomination. I feel like right. Well, but I think it. I think she'll she will go supporting, and especially since it's obvious Constance Wu is the is the main character. And very rarely anymore do you do you see them push two leads in a movie, but um, but yeah, I think it's like some combination of like Matthew McConaughey and Magic Mike and Queen Latifah in Chicago. I mean, it's where where it's it the ringleader, but also the mom of the group too. So yeah, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see. Um, if uh, can if you she name can find uh, the other two the other two. Uh, uh, people that were nominated for Oscars for playing strippers. Ooh. Um. No. <laughs> <laughs> Can't even get one. They're both in the last twenty years. I kind of figured. I'm trying to think. Oh. Maybe like. Amy Ryan 
for Gone Baby Gone? Was she a stripper? No. No? If anything, she was a prostitute. Okay. I don't think, but I don't think she was. Um, That's actually, uh, yeah, you are, almost are, had the right are, year. Are you, uh, are you considering, like, Catherine Zeta-Jones in Chicago, or is that just, like, cabaret? No, that doesn't count. Okay. Like, actually, like they, they actually are, have stripping scenes. <laughs> like, they, they are stripping for another actor that was nominated for the same movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, Natalie Portman in Closer. Yeah, there's one. That's one. And... Is, a, uh, is the other one more Hot recent? Aunt May. Well, uh, <laughs> yes. Marissa Tomei. Marissa and Tomei and the wrestler. Hot Aunt May. <laughs> uh, I'm kind of sad that we don't that we probably won't get to see any more uh, uh, Happy and May, you know, chemistry popping in future Spider-Man movies, but. Who knows? Yeah, it, we've got some time for that. We don't need to talk MC. It's going right to be now. interesting seeing Alex Rodriguez on the red carpet when uh, J Lo gets nominated for the Golden Globe, though. That'll that'll be an interesting twist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of like every time we get to see Keith Urban at the Oscars with Nicole Kidman. It's like, what are you doing here? Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I guess you are, you know, slightly kind of connected to this world now. Uh, okay, so yeah, if uh, if this sounds interesting, Hustlers, it, it's a lot of fun. It, it's a uh, it's good entertainment uh, and uh, definitely definitely worth a watch. Okay, so let's hop into our to our Oscar update here. So Todd, you write uh, an article. You probably write what like three or four articles for for each Oscar season. What'd you yeah. say? Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, yeah, I'll write the one early in the year, and then I'll wait until around this time, and then I'll my, I'll probably write one in December, or maybe just right before the nominations come out. Yeah, so... Like, whether or not I do a Golden Globes one or not probably depends on if I'll do another one. Yeah, so, uh, so yeah, he writes he writes his first article uh, in January, looking at the, uh, at the way, way too early Oscar nominations and predictions... And then he comes back to it, like he said, around this time of year, once we start seeing some festivals, seeing what's, uh, what's got the buzz that's going through. Uh, that's the buzz, man! Um, <laughs> that is the fucking buzz! I, I had to. I had to say it. Um, and, then, uh, and then he looks at it as we, get, um, as we start to see some precursors come out, and we get close to it, he'll give either... Either one or two more, definitely a final predictions before that. But this is the first update you've had since January 10th on your Oscar predictions. It's just been posted on our blog, almostsideways.blogspot.com, or you can find links to it on our website. So um, we're going to go through this category by category, and you're, I'm going to give you a chance to kind of talk about what you think of the race, and uh, I'll tell you where I think you're crazy. And, uh, and then we'll go from there. But um, let's start, you go through the main categories, let's start really quick, go through some of the, these screenplay categories. So, for Best Adapted Screenplay, right now, you have uh, nominated uh, Dark Waters, Little Women, Joker, Jojo Rabbit, and The Irishman. And you have The Irishman winning. So, uh, tell, us, uh, tell us what you're thinking uh, with these predictions, and kind of how they compare to where you started the year. Uh, well, I mean, I, I guess I had 
these movies mentioned other than Joker, I think these all were were pretty much in the in the running. I, I feel like The Irishman is still the movie that it, I just have to put it on there because we don't really know yet. Nobody's really seen it, but uh, Steven Zalian has has won an Oscar in the past for Schindler's List, and I, I, just, I if the screenplay is as complicated as it seems, it's a three and a half hour movie. I really think that it's got to be the front runner in the category. Uh, unless they really want to give the Oscar to Greta Gerwig, who went home empty-handed, unfortunately, for Lady Bird. Because Little Women is definitely uh, right in the race as well. Jojo Rabbit and Joker are the two festival movies that have kind of been divisive. There's been like people that saying it's the best movie of the year, and people that are saying that it's really problematic and kind of lousy. But I, I think screenplay is a, is a place that you can put really creative stories like that and, and have them and have, the, have their best shot at getting major nominations. I, mean, I don't know, and Dark Waters is one, because I, I feel like it is kind of a light category. Uh, I, I, Toy Story 4 is close, because Toy Story 3 got nominated, but it's it. I don't think anyone's predicted to be nominated for Best Picture, so I left that out. Dark Waters just seems like a fairly safe choice. It's a Todd Haynes movie, and it, it's like I, uh, it's probably like a lot of journalism and a lot of like really uh, important things, a lot of talking, and, and that normally is a good adapted screenplay, but... Has a uh, has Todd Haynes ever been nominated before? Well, yeah, he was nominated for screenplay for uh, Far From Heaven, but oh right, uh, he uh, he didn't write this movie. He also didn't write Carol or Wonderstruck. For some reason, he's not writing screenplays anymore. He's just directing. So okay. Yeah, uh, I so, mean, this... some of the other movies in, in, in contention. I mean, like there, there's like Ford v Ferrari, but that's like an action movie, and I really doubt that that has a real shot at a screenplay. And then there's like Downton Abbey. It's written by Julian Fellows, who won an Oscar for Gosford Park. I don't. I it's it's one of those things where you don't really know. I like I I wrote on here. I don't feel like it's just like Sex in the City or Entourage, like a, a you know a really lazy episodic attempt at uh, maintaining the TV show and putting it in movie form. I I really feel like it's actually going to be a really good movie, but. We'll see. Yeah, I think I think uh, looking at your long list here, Ford v Ferrari is an, is going to be an interesting one to see how that actually uh, how that actually is received. And also, you have Motherless Brooklyn on your on your long list, and it'll be really interesting. That's one that, um, as it's gotten some festival releases, has been fairly divisive as well. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how those are received when they get released a little wider. Uh, I've said we've we've seen most of the big festivals. We still have uh, the New York Film Festival coming up, which is where The Irishman is getting its big world debut. Uh, right. So that's gonna be uh, that's gonna tell us a whole lot about it too. And I mean that'll be big for Motherless Brooklyn too, because that that's a total New York movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you've got The Irishman winning, which I could totally see happening. I could also see. I mean, uh, a movie like, I mean, it feels like, th with three and a half hours, it feels like, did, did Scorsese finally go just a little too indulgent, or is this, like, his masterpiece? Like, I've heard some people say, if it, if it's, if it hits right, this could, like, be this generation's godfather. And, uh, and th that, I mean, I feel like almost the expectations are too high, but that feels like this case whenever Scorsese has a film. You could have said the same thing about Departed, and it ended up winning Best Picture. Yeah, see, I, like I, I wrote that I, I think it could be uh, our generation's Once Upon a Time in America, which it was a, is a, 
obviously a good thing it's one of the greatest movies ever made but when it came out it was completely chopped up and had the just like post-production hell but that's not going to happen because netflix isn't going to mess with marty's work and he's going to put out what he wants to put out and it's going to be a big epic thing that is exactly what he wants and so i feel like it could it, i feel like it he wouldn't let it disappoint <laughs> but who knows because nobody's actually seen it <laughs> yeah so you have uh, you have one holdover from uh, your predictions back in January, and that's Little Women. Um, do you see any of the other four even being in consideration anymore? I I don't even have it in front of okay, me. Okay, I'll I'll, I'll, I'll say. It. So you had you had the Goldfinch, the Good Liar, the Kitchen, and Earthquake Bird. I know the, uh, I know the Goldfinch was one that a lot of people were talking about. Until it came out and everyone said it was horrible. Yeah. yeah, and then well, yeah, I don't know. I haven't heard anything about Earthquake Bird. It might not even be coming out this year. And uh, I remember I didn't include the Irishman in my early predictions because I had had it in my predictions for the previous two years, and I got sick of like getting excited for it and not having to come out. So I just decided to leave it off, or else that would have been in my predictions as well. I. I don't know. Uh, the Good Liar is supposedly pretty good, but I I don't think that's a real uh, a real chance anymore. I don't. I didn't even list it in my top what eleven movies. Yeah, yeah. It, it might it might get a get like a feel good Ian McKellen nomination, and that's about it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's move on to uh, best original screenplay, and I think this is going to be quite a. Uh, a, a category here and looking at what you have here yeah this is where the the competition is at when it comes to screenplay so the the five you have nominated you've got parasite queen and slim once upon a time in hollywood marriage story and with the win you have waves uh so tell us about these five and uh what you think of them and what just missed your list here yeah th this is the category that i feel like was most stacked it's like this and best actor i feel like had the most potential to get in and uh so waves is a movie that uh d depending on where you look like uh it it's like the best reviewed movie of the year and uh, uh trey edward schultz has been like const like uh progressively getting uh better with his movies he had this really good movie krisha and then he had uh it comes at night and now he has this movie which looks like it could be like moonlight or something this year i mean it it, re it really has got gotten like that level of praise and, and the trailer is just astonishing and marriage story supposedly is Bombach's best movie he's been nominated before i i hit the him getting nominated here is obvious uh queen and slim is an interesting one because no one's really seen that yet either and it's directed or it's written by lena waith who is nominated for uh, or she won an Emmy for uh, Masters of None, so she really does have a lot of writing talent. And if it's as controversial as it as it probably is going to be, then I, I think this that's a pretty good bet here too. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood should get nominated here. If it doesn't, it's kind of a tragedy. And Parasite is like the, the screenplay, especially original screenplay, it does really well for foreign films. And I feel like this is the movie that everyone's still talking about ever since Cannes. People are have been talking about it, and Junho Bong has actually been really. Uh, popular in in America with the last couple movies, and this one I feel like could really break through, which leaves off just barely Lulu Wang's The Farewell, which I would have never thought that that would not have been in the top five, but I could not find a place for it. Yeah, I was popes, gonna, I was gonna say The Farewell is is the type of film that always ends up popping up in best original screenplay that that little film that could that that pops up kind of like um, um, 
Oh, well, the... The, the Kumail Nanjiani one a couple years ago. Why am I forgetting the name? The Big of the, Sick. The Big Sick. Kind of like that, where where it was it was this like critical darling that this is a great place for it to pop up, and and yeah, there's no you're right, and I don't know what I'd take off either because that that top five is so good, and you've got a couple of them. You got the farewell is one of those. You've got a uh, pain and glory and Almodovar film who always gets nominated for his screenplays. Uh, you you've got a lot of there's a lot. I that don't are know. Getting... He's only been nominated once for screenplay, I think. Has he? He won. He won for uh, talk to her. I think that was the only time he got nominated. Okay. But he's had movies get nominated a lot for other categories, just okay. Not necessarily screenplay, but the two popes is one movie that it's got almost a perfect score on on Rotten Tomatoes, and it's a supposedly just like a buddy comedy uh, with these two popes, but it's really spo- supposed to be like really really good. Everything I've heard about it is like ecstatic. It's but it's another Netflix movie, and I I just couldn't really justify putting it on because I think it looks kind of goofy, but. Then there's also movies you have like Knives Out, which is like has gotten raves and like people think it, it could potentially be winning the Toronto Film Festival People's Award, which normally translates to like Best Picture nominations. And then you got like 1917, the Sam Mendes movie. It's a war movie, which don't normally get nominated for screenplay, but I mean it, it could potentially be our Best Picture winner. There's just like there's a there's so many movies that in a normal year it'd be an easy nomination for Best Original Screenplay, but there's just like a, a huge list this year. Um, at least at this point. Yeah. So you mentioned something, and I think I might get a break news to you. You uh, you mentioned Toronto Film Festival People's Choice Award, and they've announced it. Oh, well. Have you I seen this? No. So, what, so like, happened just like a couple hours yeah, ago. Yeah, it happened just a couple hours ago. Breaking news, and I get a break news to you. You ready for this? <laughs> now, okay. now this, this, is, this is significant, too, because I, I went back and looked at this. Only one time in the last 12 years has a film been uh, won the People's Choice Award and not been nominated for Best Picture. Only once in the last 12 years. So this is kind of a this is big. So second runner. So since like Eastern Promises or something. Yeah, since Eastern Promises, it's only happened one other time. So second runner up was Parasite. First runner up was Marriage Story, and the winner of the People's Choice Award was Jojo Rabbit. Wow. <laughs> maybe maybe there's a best picture nominee for Taika Waititi. I, I know, I know. I saw that too and I was thinking the same thing because I mean, like last year it was where was it here? I had it right here. Last year Green Book won the the yeah, People's the Choice Award. One, I know that. Then three billboards, then it was La La Land, then Room, Imitation Game, 12 Years a Slave, Silver Linings Playbook. I mean, this is something that and then King Speech did it, Precious did it, Slumdog Millionaire. This is something that leads to So what was 2011? What was 2011 the one that did? uh Where Do We Go Now? By oh, Nadine, Nadine Labaki. Yeah. Okay, yeah. That's interesting. And then first runner up was Starbuck by Ken Scott and second runner up was a separation. But yeah, so that's just a weird year. But anyways, so yeah, Jojo Rabbit wins the People's Choice Award. And I I mean, this is what we'll get back to original screenplay in a second, but this is what's making this Oscar race so fascinating is you have like these these traditional Oscar movies but the ones that are lining themselves up for getting all these things at this point that point to Oscar nominations are these really 
interesting films that are not necessarily what get uh, what get honored, like Jojo Rabbit winning winning TIFF, and you've got uh, you've got uh, Joker winning uh, Venice, and you've got I mean th this is stuff you don't see, and and. Uh, it could lead to some really, really interesting stuff when you get to when you get to Oscar night. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, we definitely have a really diverse group of movies that are, that are, <laughs> that are in contention. And one thing I, I find interesting is that we, a lot of people have completely forgotten about us. And I kind of mentioned this, but in, in my article, but I feel like if that 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 is the kind of movie that wins the National Board of Review for Best Original Screenplay. If it does that, then I think that is, like, right back in the race, just like Get Out came, like, storming back, like, right when the awards started getting, um, like, being announced. Yeah. I think the one thing Us has going against it is everyone compares it to Get Out, and it's not as good as Get Out. And, that, that I mean, that's just kind of, like, the general consensus. Even when it came out, they said, yeah, this is good, and Lupita Nyong'o in it is good. It's not Get Out. And, and I think that's the one thing, especially for, you know, it being just the sophomore effort from, from Jordan Peele. I think Peele. that's going to go against Little Women if it's, I mean, because it's probably going to be universally not as good as Lady Bird, but I don't think that's going to hurt his chances. I, I don't think it'll hurt that, but that also has that, has that prime release for award season. Yeah, true. Um, anyways, I, I. I'm really fascinated by waves, especially since I started to hear how it's gonna how it's gonna play out, uh, or how it has played out so far in the festivals. I really want to see that now, and I think Originally it's gonna be it was a big time. That was like a it was a musical, but it's not actually a musical. Yeah, that's now. what I had heard too. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm gonna be curious to see how that uh, how the uh, the award season plays out for that because yeah, a lot of people are saying, like you said, it's it's this year's Moonlight. Um, marriage story, uh, is one that, I mean, a lot of people are saying could potentially be a front runner. So you have, and then of course, once upon a time in Hollywood, Tarantino all over this. And yeah, I, I like you fitting in queen and slim. I, I could definitely see that happening. I, I could also see it completely getting shut out. So it, it's one of those that could go either way. Um, parasite getting into screenplay would be, would be interesting and would, um, bode well for it moving forward okay let's move on best supporting actress uh you've got let's see here nominated you have florence Pugh for little women uh maggie smith for downton abbey uh zhao shuzhen for the farewell i love it uh laura dern for marriage story and annette benning for the report as your winner so tell me, uh, tell me how you put this race together. So knowing the story of Little Women, like because I've seen probably like three adaptations of it, like I know that Florence Pugh has the juiciest supporting role, and it, it's one that I could definitely see getting through. And she has had a monster year this year. Uh, you got Maggie Smith. Uh, I got I wrote here that she uh, she's won two Oscars, and but for this role, she's won a Golden Globe, three Emmys, and five SAGs. So I don't see how this movie can actually, uh, or could, could disappoint to the point that she wouldn't be shortlisted <laughs> for it. I I mean, and plus it's been forever. It's been since uh, uh, Gossard Park since she's been nominated at all. 
Zhao Xu Zhen for her first role in The Farewell. She's everyone's favorite character in the movie. Like, it, it seems like a foregone conclusion that she's going to get nominated now. Laura Dern seems like she's always around the awards, and she's never actually wins, but she's been cited as being given the best performance in the movie, so we'll, we'll see... Uh, We'll see how that goes. She's going to be in the uh, running against Annette Benning, who is one of the most overdue actresses out there now. Like, she took the mantle from Julianne Moore. And, uh, I don't know. The report, I mean, it, I don't really know how good it actually is going to be. Reviews are kind of, I don't know, in the middle. But, uh, supposedly it's a really good role for uh, a, a real character. And, uh, that, that's who I have predicted as a winner. But I'm not really that confident in it. I could see any of these five winning. Yeah, from from what I've heard, I think the the top two you mentioned there, uh, Benning and Dern, are the ones that have the are pretty well set at this point. I mean, anything can change. You're right. Annette Benning is definitely overdue, and it's it'll be interesting if she ends her year with an Oscar after starting her year with Captain Marvel. Um, it it it'll, yeah. she'll go a long way in uh, in that. Um, yeah, Laura Dern marriage story. Again, that that's sounding like it's a great, uh, a great movie for this uh, for this Oscars uh, run. Uh, I love you getting uh, Zhao Xu Zhen in there. I would love to see her see her get that nomination. I mean, it's her first movie, and and she just she just rocks that role. She rocks the whole movie. Have you see, did you end up seeing the farewell? I forget. Yeah. 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 I agree. Yeah, she she is the scene stealer. She definitely deserves a nomination for it. She's just I, I don't even know how uh, how much talent it actually is. She's just is so perfect in that to play that character that it it, it could just be herself. But I mean, it, it works amazing. Yeah, uh, I I love your your rationale for getting Maggie Smith in there. I I could see it not happening. However, um, if she does get in there, like you said, it would make perfect sense. Um, That'd be two really, really old actresses in the same category. It it would be. It would be <laughs> bringing that that average age down quite a bit. Well, and and Annette Bening and Laura Dern are no uh, no spring chickens either. Um, and if you if you really wanted to wanted to to bring that age, I mean, it could be like if like if you take out Florence Pugh and put in Meryl Streep, is this like the oldest average age for supporting actress of all time? Probably any category. Yeah. <laughs> and and I could totally see that happening. I mean, I love Florence Pugh. Like you said, she's had a great year, especially you, you look at like Midsummer and things like that that she's done. Uh, you got Fighting With My Family mentioned there too. Um, looking at the trailer, it looks like the media role of the sisters is is Emma Watson, from, from at least from what the trailer shows. So I could see her potentially having some, some, uh, some say in there. But also, you can't count out Meryl Streep. And you've got her here. You've also got... Um, you also have the laundromat that she has that, that could get her her Oscar nomination. I mean, she's in two movies that are potentially going to have some, some Oscar buzz, so you know she's going to get nominated. It's just a matter for what and where. Um, right. Yeah, so I, I didn't have her predicted for get in for either movie, but she... I mean, she's Meryl. Yeah, so I I would probably throw Meryl in over over Florence Pugh, and go with that. And and your first runner up there is Jennifer Lopez. Man, it would be fun to see her get in there. But um, but it might yeah, be. Yeah, but she needs to go supporting. I'm telling you, if she goes oh, yeah. lead, she has no shot. I I'm gonna say I'm gonna say right now I'm going Benning, Dern, Shu Streep, and Lopez. That's my group. 
That's my group. That'd be a pretty cool list. I think Margot Robbie is one that, when I watched the movie, I felt like she was getting nominated, but her screen time has become sort of like the controversial thing. So I don't know if people feel sorry for her about that, that they put her in anyway, but I I feel like it also is a, is a role that could end up winning just because of all the talk around it. It that That's the one... That's the one I wasn't sure because I I never thought that I was gonna leave her out of the top five, but yeah, I don't know. I kind of feel like, I mean, I loved Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but and maybe it's just because we're in the middle of like the festival rush and we're hearing about all these films that are debuting. I feel like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood might start to be forgotten. Outside well, we of maybe about a couple... it for two straight months, and it, it, it's like gonna be eventually tarantino's biggest box office movie ever it's gonna ramp up as awards campaign it's just like but it's not premiering at the festival so it's not top of mind right now right that, that's but what i'm saying in december when the dvd video streaming everything comes out for it then that'll that'll be when it starts to gain its momentum again yeah that's true that's true the same happened with the glorious bastards yeah yeah and, I mean, it seems like all of Tarantino's movies come out in, like, August. They don't get this, get that Prime Awards release, so. Except for Django. Except for Django. And then the wrong guy got nominated and ended up winning. <sighs> okay. See, Leo should have won his Oscar there. He, he should, anyways. Okay. Best Supporting Actor. Let's move on. Well, I was going to look really quick at what you had had nominated. I forgot to look at that. You actually have one holdover on your Best Supporting Actress nominations, and that's Florence Pugh for Little Women. Um, and the other ones... You have Kate Blanchett in there for Where'd You Go Bernadette as supporting, but she was the like the main person. That was just kind of a stab at what she was going to be classified as, yeah. right? And then you had... Uh, uh, some... Well, because the trailer showed her, and she leaves, like, right at the beginning of the trailer. I, I didn't know if she was ever coming back, but I didn't know the movie actually followed her. <laughs> she, You didn't know, yeah. So then you have, uh, you had winning uh, Sanaa Lathan for Native Son. I'm trying... Yeah, that was a streaming movie that never really gained any traction. Yeah, yeah. You had, you had quite the stab here for uh, Kate McKinnon in Yesterday, but that... That would not. Yeah, that was really was just a stab. It, it, it was a stab. It would have been cool Good to director, see her. Good director, popular comedic actress. It, it made sense. And then, then to round out your five, you had Dame Judi Dench for Cats. And uh, yeah, well, who knows what Cats is actually? Yeah, gonna be no like. one. I, I no do one mention knows. Jennifer Hudson now for Cats, but I, I really don't know. Is is uh is Cats getting like any release before it actually gets released on Christmas? I don't know. Probably not. Yeah. I don't know how how many other many places it could premiere before then. I don't know. Okay, supporting actor. Let's get into this one now. So your uh, predicted five here are Tom Hanks for A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, Wesley Snipes for Dolomite Is My Name. Nice. Al Pacino for The Irishman, Sterling K. Brown for Waves, and winning you have Brad Pitt for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Tell us what you're thinking here. Well, and during our review of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I, I told you guys that Brad Pitt was winning Best Supporting Actor, and you guys kind of laughed at me, but then that's all I heard for the next, like, couple weeks was that, like, this is the movie that's winning Best Supporting Actor. I still believe it. It's a, a perfect movie star role. He's 
he's going to get nominated, and I hope he does win because I mean he won an Oscar for producing, but this is this is his his best most movie star role that he's ever had. Uh, Sterling K. Brown, I predicted back in January too. I, I just you feel did. like it's it, it's kind of obvious because Waves is is a movie that's going to be all over the awards, and he is at the height of his powers with you know This Is Us and the American Crime Story. Like he's he's everyone loves Sterling K. Brown. He lo- his part looks like key in this movie. Then Al Pacino in The Irishman. I I don't know. He he I don't know how much screen time he's gonna have. Probably, probably quite a bit. He could be closer to lead, but I put him sporting. Every review of Dolomite is my name has Wesley Snipes, uh, saying like he's back and it's gonna be and he's awesome and stuff. So he's never been close to a nomination before, but this could be like the Eddie Murphy and you know Dreamgirls kind of thing where it makes him somewhat of a serious actor and gets him back in the spotlight. And Tom Hanks, I guess, just recently people started saying that he's probably sporting. I don't know. He, he looks like perfect for the role. I, even though I think it should have been played by Steve Carell, I it just I don't know. He, it seems like people want to nominate him again because they stemmed him for Captain Phillips and every other movie he's made in the last twenty years. So that I had to include him there. And and I heard he's amazing too. Um, this this is an interesting category. It's it's one of those categories that it feels like a lot of it depends on how stuff is received and how it ends up uh getting marketed too because there's a there's a few names on your honorable mentions that i've heard some really good things about i've heard some really good things about willem dafoe in the lighthouse and how he could very easily be in this list i've heard some great things about jamie fox and just mercy um i've heard some really good things i could see it easily happening if they want to give it a four for four alan alda in marriage story so you could go actor actress supporting actor supporting actress if they want to do that for that movie um and then one that i've heard some some decent buzz for that you didn't even mention here that you had predicted back in january is shia labeouf for honey boy uh who's who wrote the movie and is basically playing his dad i've heard that you know he's pretty amazing, and not to be shocked if he ends up getting his first nomination for that. Yeah, but the more I I see of the movie, I just I feel like it's that's more of a Spirit Awards movie and not one that is going to translate well to the Oscars. But and plus, Shia LaBeouf isn't the most liked actor in Hollywood, so I'm not. Well, I, well, yeah, I, yeah. I, I think I might have been jumping the gun a bit on that one, but I'm sure he's I'm sure he's amazing. I think he was should have been closer to nomination for Fury, but you know that never worked out. Yeah, yeah. This is definitely going to be an interesting an interesting race. I think if I were to put together a list right now, I would probably have Sterling K. Brown winning, uh, Brad Pitt nominated, and then I'd probably go like I'd go. Tom Hanks, Willem Dafoe, Jamie Foxx to round... No, you know what? I'm going to leave Tom Hanks off because they snub him for everything. Uh, I'm going to go Defoe's... Well, and they Defoe. snub the Mr. Rogers documentary, too. Yeah, so. yeah. Defoe, Fox, and Alda. I'll go underneath. So, so yeah. Sterling K. Brown winning. Brad Pitt. Leaving off the Irishman. Huh? And, yep. And then go uh, go Willem Dafoe, Jamie Foxx, and Alan Alda. That's what I'm going to go with. I, I could see it. Yeah. I guess. I, I don't know. It... Some of those, uh, Alan Alda, I feel like they, he's done this before with the Aviator. So I guess if if the movie is really that popular, he could get swept in with it. But predicting a four out of four, or you know, every acting category is not 
I mean, it's not directed by David O. Russell. Well, yeah. But, um, but when you look at that, I mean, it's happened, what, four times ever? And two of those have been in the last ten years. By David O. Russell. By David O. Russell, yes. However... But it's happened a lot more than that, but, like, like in the 50s and 30s, there were a lot of... That happened a decent amount of times. But, I mean, yeah, if, if the movie's as good as it is and you have, you know, four performances that are really the entire movie... I could totally see it happening. And again, like you said, Alan Alda, he's gotten one one shot at an Oscar nomination, and um, and yet he's still making movies. I I could see them getting him back in. One one thing that's kind of worth look watching in this because I have Matt Damon and not getting nominated for Ford versus Ferrari and Anthony Hopkins for the Two Popes. It seems like in those two movies there are co leads, and I these are the ones I predicted to not be supporting or to not be lead. But I feel like they're like a package deal where if one's getting nominated, the other one's getting nominated too. But I didn't predict either of them to get in. It's it's one of those things where I, I feel like the, if they love the movie enough, then they're both getting nominated or neither of them get nominated and it's not nominated for much at all. Yeah. Those those kind of things happen a decent amount. Like Wild, remember when that, like, uh, mm. with uh, Reese Witherspoon and Laura Dern, they both got in when it wasn't really guaranteed that either of them were getting nominated. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that uh, how that plays out for sure. But yeah, I could totally see the the package deal working out for those two films. Okay, let's move on to best actress. And for best actress, you have predicted uh, Jodie Turner Smith in Queen and Slim, making her debut. By the way, uh, Renee Zellweger for Judy. Uh, Cynthia Erivo for Harriet, Scarlett Johansson Marriage Story, and Alfre Woodard for Clemency as the winner. All right, tell me what you're thinking here. Uh, Alfre Woodard, it just seems like the kind of role that probably, in a perfect world, would have gone to like Viola Davis. But it seems like a movie that's going to get that that wins Best Actress and. I put it there because she it's been a long time since she's been nominated, but she's always in really good movies, and she's never the lead, so I, I had to mention it. Scarlett Johansson in Marriage Story. She also has Jojo Rabbit, which she's getting a lot of buzz for. I, I'm a little nervous that they could stub her again, because she should have, like, three nominations at this point, but the last time that she had two nomination-worthy performances, she didn't get nominated for either of them in, back in 2003. But we'll see. I know Bombbox's movie is getting every good review, so... Hopefully she can finally snag her first. Uh, Cynthia Revo and Harriet was the one I had predicted to win, I believe, in January. I mean, she plays Harriet Tubman, and everything about it just sounds like it sounds like it's her movie, and it's not really a great movie, but she is incredible in it, so I have no problem still predicting her there. Similar with Renee Zellweger playing Judy Garland. It's almost too good to be true, but I just I. I, I'll still have to see it to really believe it, but I, I mean, it seems like a safe bet. People want her to have a comeback. And yeah, I don't know, Jodie Turner-Smith, I don't know the actress, obviously, you just said it was her debut, I wasn't even aware of that, but I, I think Queen and Slim's gonna make a big splash at the Oscars, and I think it needs at least one acting nomination to make that happen. Yeah, this is this is an interesting one. Um, I think I think Scarlet's a lock. Uh especially if if they're going to love marriage story as much as it sounds like they they might um, but then there's lost in translation you know uh, yeah but i mean she was 
that was like her first adult role and the movie was it was all bill murray at that point i mean she was just kind of the one along for the ride she also had um, the girl at the pearl earring that year with got two golden globe nominations no oscar nomination yeah but now now she's i mean to say she's scarlett johansson actually means something now and i she's getting in um i hope so i've heard for harriet and judy i've heard kind of similar things the movies aren't that great but 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 the performances are amazing yeah and if that's the case i think both of them are getting in i honestly don't know much about alfrey woodard and clemency but like you said she's been around and done a lot of a lot of great work and so for her to get in um wouldn't surprise me but i think it would be a it would be surprising if she ends up the one that that takes home the award especially considering some of the ones that you left off the list and uh the first one you left off, I feel, is a lock, and that's Saoirse Ronan for Little Women. Um, she's kind of getting nominated for anything decent at this point, and this would be her fourth nomination, and she's, what, 23 or something like that? I mean, she she's Probably. ridiculously young and already get her fourth nomination, but it feels kind of inevitable at this point. Um, especially with as good as the movie's looking. No one's seen it yet, but it looks amazing, and if it actually is as good as it looks, uh, she is obviously getting into this. Um, yeah, I could see Jodie Turner-Smith is kind of taking a stab on that, and I could see it being... Potentially, if they end up loving the movie, she could get in there, but I could also see that movie, like I said before, just getting shut out too. So I'm going to... Oh, let's see here. I'm going to swap in Saoirse Ronan for, for Jodie Turner-Smith. And and you know what? I'm going to throw in Aquafina also and sub out Alfrey Woodard simply because I don't know anything about the movie. And, uh, and you threw it in there. So I'm just going to be different. And I'm going to say my winner is... I'm going to say Scarlet wins. And then you have, uh, have Arivo, Zellweger, Saoirse Ronan, and Aquafina. All right. I'm kind of given like my dream lineup, not necessarily what it like a decent prediction, but Aquafina, I feel like in a perfect world would get be nominated, but I just don't feel like that's really a possibility because she doesn't really own the movie, and it is a little light for a best actress nomination. But okay, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna change that. You're right, and and that's kind of what I was thinking too. It was kind of wishful thinking, so I'm gonna take her out, and I'm gonna say. It uh, it's gonna be Meryl Streep for the the laundromat, and I'm gonna give she's her gonna the double nomination. Double nomination. <laughs> double nomination. Has she ever done that before? I don't think she's ever done that before. Uh, no, no, she she didn't get nominated for the hours. So but, she's yeah. never done it before. So that means it it's going to happen. If there's something in the Oscar universe that Meryl Streep has never done before, and there's something that might even give her a potential chance that it happens, it's gonna happen. So she's gonna get a double nomination. And it's going to be... Uh, Soderbergh. Yeah. Yep. It's going to be... Uh, yeah, I'm going to say Scarlet wins. And you got Erivo, Zellweger, Sersha, and, uh, and and Streep. There you go. <laughs> All right. That, like, uh, my list of actresses that are in the running, like, this is a really distinguished group of actors. Oh, yeah. Uh, Man, it, it would be it'd be nuts if Lupita Nyong'o came back and for us and got a nomination for what she did because she was amazing and and she still hasn't gotten her uh 
you know that 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 big follow-up nomination but this was definitely her her first big movie since since she won so okay let's move on to best actor and uh let's see here you have nominated christian bale for ford v ferrari leonardo dicaprio once upon a time in hollywood adam driver for marriage story Joaquin Phoenix for Joker, and winning you have Antonio Banderas for Pain and Glory, which actually is the same winner you predicted uh, back in January. And you also had Leonardo DiCaprio in there. And uh, honestly, the other three that you had nominated back in January weren't terrible stabs. You had Timothy Chalamet for The King, Ian McKellen for The Good Liar, which we've already mentioned, and Taron Egerton for Rocket Man, who, again... I mean, he's basically doing what Rami Malek did last year, and he rode that to a win. So, who knows? But uh, tell me what you what you predicted as your top five here. Okay, so uh, so Christian Bale and Four V Ferrari. Like I said, I, I feel like it's a package deal with Matt Damon, but I don't know. I, I ended up predicting him here because it he I see I feel like people are just in love with Christian Bale and everything he does gets nominated. And I just couldn't justify putting Matt Damon in just yet, but I mean I feel like it's gonna happen. I just don't know how it's going to happen. Uh, Leo and what I feel is interesting about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I I've someone I had heard someone say this that you uh, it's undeniable how great Leo is in the movie. if you love Brad Pitt, it depends on if you love the movie. Like like Leo's getting nominated because he's amazing. Brad Pitt gets nominated because you love the movie and you love his character, and so I just feel like Leo is so much of a lock to get nominated. I just don't think he'll win two straight Oscars. Uh, Adam Driver, I feel like it's a lock at this point. And there's no, it's not. He's not going to vote split with the report or anything. Like Marriage Story is his movie. Walking Phoenix, there's like a groundswell that he for his nomination now for Joker, so that he's obviously going to get nominated. But I had to stick with Pain and Glory because. Everything about the role seems like a, a, a role that wins Oscars, and Antonio Banderas is everyone loves him, but he's never been nominated, and it, it just it would be perfect for the, the one of the guys that started his career, a motivar, to actually direct him to an Oscar eventually. All right, yeah, um, I've heard a lot of good things about about that Banderas role as well, um, with all the all the groundswell coming up for for guys like Joaquin Phoenix and Adam Driver. I'm feeling like Banderas might simply be honored with the nomination and that be as much as he gets. Um, again, it wouldn't surprise me if he ended up winning, but uh, for the guy who's never been nominated and has had this amazing career, um, the nomination might be his reward. So um, you're saying he's Gary Oldman and Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy? Or yes. Something like that? Yes. Okay. That's okay. what, I, that's what I'm saying. He, he, the, or, or or you could say like Brian Cranston in Trumbo. He's the guy who get he finally, after all his years of work, he finally gets the nomination. He gets recognized by the Academy in that way, but I don't think he wins, especially with as good as Joaquin Phoenix and Adam Driver are supposed to be. Um, yeah, uh, the yeah I would say you've got three. I mean, you could say now potentially four locks here. With with uh, with Banderas, Phoenix, Driver, and DiCaprio, um, something tells me DiCaprio might be the weakest link. Would and which you have, I mean, you have him fourth out of those four. Um, Christian Bale might end up in there. 
your, your next few, you've got De Niro, you've got Egerton. Um, I feel like Egerton's movie came out way too early for him to be remembered come award season. Yeah, this is what I, I wrote, that uh, he needs to win the Golden Globe comedy musical in order to have a realistic chance of getting getting the Oscar nomination. Yeah, and and it's it's a bummer because I feel like he's I feel like he's better than Rami Malek was in Bohemian Rhapsody. But Bohemian Rhapsody came first. Uh, and so it's it's like, well, we can't give we can't honor Taron Egerton because we just gave Rami Malek an Oscar for playing a musical biopic. Well, that's it's kind of like same dire- same director too is the thing yeah and it's it's even the same director but um but yeah it's it's kind of like how joaquin phoenix had no shot for winning for walk the line because like the year before jamie fox won for for ray yeah it, it's it, it, it it's it's bad timing for him um the one that i really think would be uh I'm gonna predict as my as my fifth is Jonathan Price for the two popes. Uh, it would I'm, make the entire cast of Glengarry be Oscar nominated. Yes, that <laughs> see that right there is the reason he needs to be nominated. Except for except for the one guy, the one guy that was like the the, uh, the, the, the guy from like the like stepdad and rookie of the year. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm his manager. Um... <laughs> But no, Jonathan Price, he's one of those guys, again, he's been working forever, he's never been nominated, he's never been recognized, and to get, rarely do you see them give two of those, your nomination is your uh, your recognition, and uh, honor them with that first nomination, rarely do you see it twice in the same year, but for performances like Banderas and Price, you might see it. Um, my proudest moment in this whole article was uh, my, my finding the absolute in the Valley of Ela nomination for which is if if Brad Pitt doesn't get nominated for some for some reason for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood he would get his lead nomination for Ad Astra. That yes, I could totally see that happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood like wins Best Picture, but somehow Brad Pitt wasn't nominated for it. He gets nominated for Best Actor in another movie. <laughs> Just like Tommy Lee Jones didn't get nominated for No Country for Old Men, exactly he got nominated for In the Valley of Ela. Yeah, I'm still excited for Ad Astra. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, it looks awesome. Yeah, and you have uh, one more I want to mention. You have Adam Sandler on here for Uncut Gems. I hear he's actually he's pretty good, but the movie's not. And that that's the initial reports out of uh, out of the festivals. Well, the Safdie brothers aren't exactly crowd-pleasing directors. I, so yeah, yeah. But yeah. Sandler, I, I feel like he fits well in their world. So it, 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 it would he would need to definitely get the Golden Globe drama nomination to really have like to boost himself back into it. Maybe the Spirit Award nomination. I've also heard uh, you've got Michael B. Jordan on here for Just Mercy. I've heard he's good, but all the buzz and all the attention has been on Jamie Foxx so far. So yeah, well, Michael B. Jordan should have been nominated for Fruitvale Station already. Yep. Like I feel like they're, they're he's going to get his nomination eventually. If people really take to Just Mercy, then I feel like it, he could just get get the nomination out of default. Well, and and yeah, he should have been nominated for Fruitvale Station, and it's kind of ridiculous how close he got to being nominated for Black Panther last year. Yeah, like he he was if if you nominate six, he's number six most likely. Um. Which is crazy to think 
that, you know, I mean, yes, you did have Heath Ledger win for the Dark Knight, but something as something from a from an MCU movie getting nominated as um in in any Oscar category would have just been nuts. So uh, he he's due and he's gonna get a, his nomination at some point. I just don't know if this is it. Um, we also have Edward Norton, Motherless Brooklyn, on here. I've heard his yeah his performance is polarizing. Uh, that that's probably the best sure. word for it. <laughs> uh, okay, let's move on. Best director. So for director, you have Noah Baumbach, Marriage Story. Uh, Jun Ho Bong for Parasite, Trey Edward Schultz for Waves, Martin Scorsese for The Irishman, and Sam Mendes for 1917 with The Win. Now that would be interesting if you have The Win come from a movie that doesn't get any acting nominations and really has no buzz for any acting nominations. And this is one of the few films that nobody has seen yet also. Um, so, yeah. so this is kind of, this is you taking a stab on this, but, um, but how, how does Sam Mendes become the next, uh, Ang Lee and get this, not get this win? Well, he, uh, well, I mean, he's won before and the movie supposedly is all in one shot and like, but w what's been happening recently, like this is like 1917 is kind of movie that would have won best picture, you know, 15, 20, 80 years ago. But it's but now with the new voting structure, this is the kind of movie that wins best director and something else wins best picture. So I don't think it's the best picture frontrunner, but something flashy wins best director, and that's Sam Mendes, one top, one take shot that whatever uh, for nineteen seventeen or Scorsese for The Irishman, another big epic thing. That's what wins best director. And my other nominees I have are the ones that I just feel like are the frontrunners for Best Picture that may not necessarily be as obvious of directing achievements, which are Waves, Parasite, and Marriage Story. None of which have been nominated before, or even really been close to a Best Director nomination before. Bombbox has been nominated for Screenplay, but that's it. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I just feel like... I, I feel like Mendez or Scorsese have to be the frontrunners to win, and the other three are getting nominated because their movies are awesome. Man, and your list of, of uh, others in contention, you've got five listed there that I could easily see... Honestly, I could easily see that being the five get nominated. Tarantino for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Terrence Malick for A Hidden Life. Um, I've heard it, you know... What yeah, I've heard about th another three-hour war movie, a, a so, definitely a best director contender. So this is what I've heard about that movie. Um, the The reviews I've heard are: if you like Terrence Malick, you will like this movie, which kind of sounds like any good Terrence Malick movie. I mean, doesn't that sound like Tree of Life? If you like Terrence Malick, you will like I this suppose, movie. Yeah. And and he got nominated here for for Tree of Life. So. I, I could easily see him slide in there. You got Greta Gerwig for Little Women. Um, I could see them desperately wanting to get her back in the mix. James Mangold, Ford v. Ferrari. I've heard great things about that. And Todd Phillips for Joker. Again, it's the Venice uh, Golden Lion winner. This is that, That's a big deal. That movie, those movies get nominated for, for these top awards. And you've got him as 10th on your list. That's insane. Oh, well, yeah, but like a... I mean, Peter Farrelly wasn't nominated last year. I like they, they still have an issue putting these like 
obviously comedy director is in the best director category. They, they did with Adam McKay, but that was because the big short was just that good. Well, I mean, we'll see what Todd Phillips is, if he's able to do it, but I I still have my, my reservations. But, but let me clarify. I'm saying it's insane, not that you left him off, but insane that this is how deep this race is right now. That you've got ten, your, your 10th director. I mean, at this point, would it be shocking if he won? I don't think it, I don't think it would be, I, I mean, it would be surprising maybe at this point, but I don't think you would be shocked if Todd Phillips ended up riding a wave to a win on this. It, it would need to be like a tidal wave, like a tsunami for Joker to actually win best picture, best director. But I don't know. I mean, I mean, it'd be interesting. <laughs> I mean, it, every, Taxi Driver meets the King of Comedy. That's what everyone's saying. I think there's a bit of, like, Fight Club in there, too. Like, they're, they're like somebody who's, like, leading some, like, something that becomes a terrorist organization or something like that. Like, I don't know. There's a Fight Club, some Taxi Driver for sure. King of Comedy, obviously. Because De Niro's in it, too. We didn't mention it, but, I mean, I'm getting more and more intrigued and excited to see that movie especially after it starts winning festival runs. I mean, that that's insane. That's just insane. I think, I, I, I still don't think the trailer looks all that good. I feel like the only reason I would want to see it is because of Walking Phoenix. If it was another actor, I don't think I would care that much. <laughs> I, I watched the first trailer once, and after that, I'm like, I don't, want to, I don't want to watch anything else about this. I just want to go in and watch this movie. That, that's, that's where I'm at with Joker. As well as many of the movies on this list, I like these top contenders. I've either I've seen the trailer maybe once, and that's all I want to see, because I I want to I want to go in with as as fresh a mind on it as possible. Okay, now the big one, best picture. You say nine are getting in. I'm gonna give your top ten just so we can uh, look at it. So. The movie you're saying is the first one out is Ford v. Ferrari, and then your nine nominated, you're saying Queen and Slim, Parasite, Little Women, Joker, The Irishman, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, 1917, Marriage Story, and your winner is Waves. Alright, tell me what you're thinking here. I, I really think it comes down to Waves versus Marriage Story, and... It, it depends on which the Academy voters take to more. I mean, it's sort of going back and forth with festivals, which one is more beloved, and, like, the the reviews are pretty much right next to each other. I think Bombach might have um, a slight lead in, like, the popularity department, but I, I feel like Waves is, is going to connect more with more voters than Marriage Story will, so I predicted that to be ahead. 1917 and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and The Irishman are all, I just feel like, pretty much locks to be nominated, as long as The Irishman doesn't doesn't suck. <laughs> I, don't, I, I can't see 1917 sucking, but there is a part of me that still has a, a slight doubt that The Irishman is actually going to be good. Uh, Joker, I mean, yeah, like you said, it won Venice, like, that. that's an award that, like, The Shape of Water won. You know, it's like, it's that's a very prestigious award, and that's something that I mean, I feel like it's now it's now going to get nominated for best picture, and I can't believe that it's actually possible. Uh, I'm trying to remember win. before Shape of Water, 
the last golden lion after before Shape of Water was also something that went a long way. I'm trying to remember what it was. Or maybe it was last year. Anyways, continue. I'll look it up. Okay. Uh, yeah, Little Women, I feel like, it, as I mean, I don't think it's going to really disappoint. There needs to be one uh, movie with, like, uh, one female movie in there, I feel like. Uh, like, one movie that's made for, like, by women, for women, and that is Little Women, and starring women, and I feel like it's going to be really good. Because every time that movie is made in Hollywood, it gets a lot of Oscar love. Whether it's Best Picture or not. Is I mean it's not guaranteed, but this one, Greta Gerwig's on a hot streak. So Paris. So uh, let let get. So just to to follow up what I was mentioning before, last year the Golden Lion went to Roma. Yeah. So so, yeah. so you go Almost Shape of Water, best picture, Roma, two straight best directors, <laughs> and Joker. Again, two straight best directors. Would you be shocked if Todd Phillips wins the best director? <laughs> yeah, I would. I still would. <laughs> Okay, continue. Uh, then I have Parasite, which I, I feel like is this year's Amour. I, I feel like it's going to destroy everybody, and it's going to get nominated for Best Picture. And Queen and Slim is the is like the the smaller movie that I feel like is going to somehow make it in. It, I feel it, it really needs to have a good box office run. I feel like it needs to uh, be controversial, but not overly controversial that people are going to despise it. It needs to be, have that middle ground. I feel like it has a really good chance of doing that, especially because nobody involved in the movie is unlikable. And, uh, Ford v Ferrari is, yeah, it's just on the outside looking. I still do feel like it's just a, it's like an action movie, but I mean, if it gets nominated at the Golden Globes and the Critics' Choice for Best Picture, then I feel like it becomes more of a possibility. I just don't know that, um, movie about racing is going to get that many number one votes that it's going to qualify for the, for getting into the top nine or eight or however many actually get nominated. Yeah, I've, I've heard Ford v. Ferrari even more than what the trailer... The trailer looks like it's just kind of a generic, fun racing movie, but I've heard it's actually a film that, you're right, could contend for well, like, this. Yeah, but like Rush was like that. The, the difference between Rush and this movie, though, is this movie has, has movie stars in it. Like, Rush had awesome performances by Daniel Brewer and Chris Hemsworth, but they're not movie stars. Yeah, Christian well, Bale and Chris Matt Hemsworth Damon is now, but stars. nobody knew who he was then. Yeah. And was, James Mangold, is a, he is an Oscar nominee that people somehow would forget that. He was nominated for Logan. So it's not like he's just like, I mean, Rennie Harlan or something, like, directing this movie. Yeah, I... What's interesting about this race is you could look at, like, every movie on this list and say, well, this would be this year's blank. Like, oh, Waves, that's this year's Moonlight. Marriage Story, it would be like when Kramer vs. Kramer won. 1917, I mean, it's another war epic. I, I mean, it's this year's Saving Private Ryan. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, it's a movie about the movie industry. Those always do well. Um... The Irishman, I mean, if it, it, it's interesting to see if it's going to go, if if the voting goes more traditional Oscar, Oscar look, The Irishman is going to win, hands down, right? Um, Joker, you could finally give, in, a kind of indirectly, if it's as much like Taxi Driver as they're letting on, I mean, everyone kind of was mad that Taxi Driver didn't win, it could be kind of justification- Let's give it to a movie that's kind of similar in style and and uh, and give it here. Uh, Little Women, I mean that 
I don't know if you necessarily say that wins or Parasite, but they belong in this conversation. I don't think anyone would doubt that. I mean, you could say that about all these all these films. Like, I could easily see this win because of how this film did. I could easily see this win because of how this film did. And then you look at the movies that you left off, and there's some ones in there that I could definitely see. And one of them I want to mention. Okay, I'm going to preface this question with... Um, okay, every film over the last 25 years that has held the title as the biggest box office film of all time has been nominated for Best Picture. With that said, Avengers Endgame. So, so you're you're saying Titanic and since, Avatar. Okay, but before Titanic, it was like Jurassic Park, right? I, I don't so know. You're saying I don't since know. I'm, Park. I'm, I'm, since since Titanic. Or Star Wars. Since Titanic, I mean, Titanic broke the record for the highest box highest box office of all time. Wins Best Globally. Picture. It it held it held the domestic record. No, well, not no. Force Awakens has that record. It's still a, a winning by like a hundred million over over Endgame, uh, for domestic box office. Okay, fine, whatever. Titanic holds a record, and it wins Best Picture. Avatar breaks the record. It almost wins Best Picture. Avengers Endgame breaks the record. For globe, yeah. It, worldwide box office. It's, it's, I mean, can you, How I could see How many people think that's the best movie of the year, though? And you need I 5% mean, of the entire voting body to say it's number one. I, I don't think yeah, that there is enough of I the mean, voting body. Pan- I think if you're Black- a, you're asking if you're asking like your average movie going public that went yeah. over and over and over again to see a three hour movie, uh, and that, that's the other thing that I find really interesting about this is that the three films I just mentioned that hold that record, they're all three plus hour films, and everyone's like, no, 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 no. We've got to make popcorn movies that are an hour and a half to two hours long and nothing more than that. When the movies that make the most all time at the box office are three plus hour movies. Anyways, I just thought of that for a second. I had to rant on it a little bit. So continue. Well, I, I just don't like, I don't, I mean, Blank Panther was one thing like, and that was a thing that was like a, a late entry into the race because it was released in February this one was released not too long after that, I guess, this year. But I just don't feel like Endgame is going to be remembered as the number one movie of the year because it did sort of disappoint a lot of people at the same time. Like, I don't... Nobody really hated Black Panther, but, I mean... It, I don't know. Plus, I don't know I don't know the Russo brothers. Are they really going to be Oscar nominees? I mean, yeah. All right, well, then let's let's go to another, uh, another MCU director here. Um, does... The fact that Jojo Rabbit won the People's Choice at TIFF put it in the top ten. It, I mean, it's got to be. Yeah, I probably should have had it in my others in contention. Now that I, I mean, now that I know that. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, but my, you, you, had, you didn't know that category. at the time. But now that you know that, uh, is it is it in your I eleven? I think it would overtake four B Ferrari at least. I mean, it might. That might be the. That and Queen and Slim might be fighting for that last spot. Is is Taika Waititi a legit director nominee? Contender. I don't know. Well, I mean, I guess potentially, but I don't know. 
I mean, what are the chances he gets nominated for Best Supporting Actor? I was going to say, Hitler? he could be a three-time nominee for Picture, Director, and Supporting Actor. And Screenplay. And Screenplay. Four-time nominee in one... Has that ever happened? Someone getting nominated four times in one year? Well, Clooney did that in 05. Oh, I guess two so. Di- two different movies. Well, I guess I'm not winning uh, winning director now. Isn't that what yeah, it is? Exactly. What it was? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, yeah, this is... This oh, is... and uh, obviously, Quaron uh, did that last year. He had, I think he had five nominations. Oh yeah, because he did he did everything on that movie. Yeah, he had yeah he was an um, editor, cinematographer, writer, director, producer. Yeah. Anyways, okay, so um, that that kind of wraps up our our look at uh at the uh, at the Oscar race, and I think if anything at this point, what we're saying is this race is wide open. In every category. I mean, there's been times where, and you, you can attest to this, there's been times where we hit September and we already know a category or two, this person is going to win. I mean, close the book now. The the, the This race is over in September. Um, a lot of times, uh, it too, uh, we, with, with, there's a front runner all throughout the fall for Best Picture and then it doesn't end up winning Best Picture because everyone gets sick of it winning everything like three billboards is definitely an example of that and you know roma for sure and it i we don't even have one of those yet so we don't even have something to get backlash yet which is kind of awesome yeah yeah and and what's interesting is some of the ones that are that are near the top are also getting some are are making themselves somewhat polarizing i've heard joker is very polarizing uh for some of the things that it it includes you've got um yeah so was green book uh yeah and well yeah that that's that's the thing i'm I mean, not saying it's it, not it, a, it's not a bad thing it disqualifies it, it i'm not saying it disqualifies it it just makes it makes it interesting that you have some people that are going to look at look at a movie and hate it to the core and say it's a horrible film that might end up as the best picture. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you need to have enough people think it's the best movie. It doesn't matter how many people don't have it on their list at all. If enough people put it number one, that's your that's your winner. Yeah. Polarizing is a good thing. Which is why I don't think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is actually going to win. Because I don't think anybody doesn't like it. Every... <laughs> I feel like there's not enough people that think it's number one, but everyone thinks it's like, yeah, it's one of the top five movies of the year, so it can't win. Yeah. Yeah, I it'll be interesting. I mean, saying a film like Waves is going to win, I really like that pick. Because the last couple years, it seems to be a film like that that no one has even mentioned up until this point, and all of a sudden, it just surges up to the top. And, and takes over. It doesn't even take over now. It takes over in February when we're getting ready to, to get to the Oscars and all of a sudden, oh yeah, you know what? Shape of Water's going to win this. Or you know what? Moonlight might take down La La Land. Or you know what? You know what? Green Book, Green Book has a decent shot here. I mean, it, it's not until then that these films come up and it might even be something we're not even talking about now. 
that might come out of nowhere and, and do this. But um, Well, that was Spotlight and the Big Short going up against the Revenant. Everyone had the Revenant, but then those two at the last minute were like, these two might actually win Best Picture. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I mean you go back a you go back a few more years. Um, it wasn't until about now that we even mentioned Slumdog Millionaire as as, as a movie, let yeah, alone a, a an Oscar yeah, contender. Was, yeah, it, it won that was nothing before Toronto. Yeah, and it was same with Green Book last year. Green Book was nothing before Toronto. So it's interesting how these festivals kind of determine what are going to be the films we talk about for the next what five six months as we get ready for Oscars. So, um, like I said, we still have New York Film Festival to go, where we get the first uh, the first look at The Irishman, um, which I think comes out... Does it come out beginning of November or beginning of October? I forget. I think it's, I think it's November. I think it's November, too. Uh, what are your thoughts on the, uh, the theatrical release of The Irishman and the backlash of that? I mean, I think the movie is meant to be seen on the big screen, and I don't know. If if it's at least, like, somewhere around every major city, then I guess that's okay. But, I mean, it's going to be unfortunate if most people watch it on, like, a TV or an iPhone. Yeah, I I get what Netflix is doing. Um, I, th- I feel like both sides need to, need to learn how to play ball a little bit better. Um... Amazon seems to be the one that has just kind of been like, okay, we're just going to work within the system here and do what we need to do to not ruffle any feathers. And Netflix is just kind of coming and saying, no, you know what? Screw it. We're going to do what we want to do. And you're going to have to adjust to us because we're the way of the future. And, uh, I, the way of the future, the way of the future, Spartacus. Um, I, <laughs> Uh, different movie. <laughs> different movie, but same idea. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. It'll, it, it's interesting to see how... That's a whole other storyline that might come out of this, is how how does that qualifying for qualifying for the Oscars play out? Um, because it's this is the first time it's going to affect a filmmaker of the stature of a Scorsese or someone like that. But he would have never been able to finish the movie if it wasn't for Netflix. Like, no studio would have been that patient. Right, well, yeah, but also I'm looking at it and saying, okay, every other film that he's made has had the oversight of a studio that has told him, no, no, you can't make your three-and-a-half-hour epic. Shorten it to 245. And now that he's actually able to, is it going to be a masterpiece, or is it going to be self-indulgent? I mean... Were the, were the checks and balances of the studio a good thing for him? However, at the same time, you go back to what I was saying about the highest box office movies of all time, and you've got three movies that are over three hours long. So, uh, I don't know. I don't think, I don't know if I would say Scorsese has an ego. I think he appreciates film too much to actually ruin one. Because I don't think that I've might ever be the smartest thing you've ever any... said on this podcast. This... The smartest thing? Yeah, that might be the smartest thing you've ever said on this podcast. Ouch. <laughs> well, no, no. It, it was just the way you said that, that, that Scorsese appreciates film too much to ever ruin one. That was like That's like the best soundbite we've ever had from this podcast. Well, thank you then, I guess. <laughs> uh, all right. I, I do feel like The Irishman is his Godfather Part 2, so I think... 
I hope it wins Best Picture. That'd be so cool. And not just because it has Pacino and De Niro in it. And Pesci. And Pesci. Pesci wasn't in Godfather 2? No, no. But <laughs> I'm just saying, that makes it even more awesome. It, it, it'd be great if, like, just walking down walking down the street in, in The Irishman, we just see, like, Robert Duvall in the background. I mean, wouldn't that just, <laughs> just bring it full circle? <laughs> yes. All right, uh, let's move on from our uh, from our Oscar Oscar preview here. Um, again, be be looking on look at our website and our uh, blog to see that full article to um, to read Todd's full write up there. But let's move into uh, what we do to wrap up every podcast, and that is our quote of the day: strawberries, not the cheese. Womack with a little sex in it. Quote of the day. Uh, Todd, why don't you give me your quote? Okay, I'm going a little abstract here. Uh, a few days ago, uh, the great Eddie Money unfortunately passed away. R.I.P. His one, his song Two Tickets to Paradise" is in maybe my favorite scene in Sideways. So I decided to quote that scene. Uh, <laughs> is uh, in the bar at the Windmill Inn, and Jack says probably probably one of the smartest things that he says in the whole movie or the most insightful and he says all i know is that i'm an actor all i have is my instinct and you're asking me to go against it it's just a great quote and he's honestly kind of right that's that's like that's like the douchiest line he says in that entire movie i mean it's <laughs> like it, it's like you, you are insightful. Just, you're just being an <laughs> idiot and just trying to Trying to justify your idiocy. Uh, True. Okay. So, uh, so for my quote, I'm uh, I'm gonna look at something I, I referenced uh, just a little bit ago, um, and, and w- once I referenced it, I knew I had to I had to mention it. This is um, uh, a a section of George Clooney's Oscar acceptance speech, um, which uh, I referenced earlier for something he said, but then also something else he says in that, I think also plays a very prominent role in this year's Oscar race. Uh, so his, his acceptance speech goes, all right, so I'm not winning director. Uh, it's a funny thing about winning an Academy Award. This will always be sort of synonymous with your name from here on in. It will be Oscar winner George Clooney, sexiest man alive, 1997, Batman, died today in a freak accident. Um, listen, I don't quite know how you compare art. You look at these performances this year of these actors, and unless we all did the same role, everybody put on a bat suit. We'll try that. Uh, unless we all did the same role, I don't know how you compare it. They are stellar performances and wonderful work, and I'm honored, truly honored to be up here. So, um, I love how he put that and, and how he, he said, you know, it's so hard to, to judge art and, and, um, and say what's the best art but also i mean you have christian bale in this race who played batman and you have joker potentially being a best picture nominee so the fact that he references batman twice in his acceptance speech i thought needed to be mentioned <laughs> yes uh, all right and uh, with that we're gonna bring our uh, our podcast to a close thank you guys so much for listening uh, again subscribe rate review uh, to our podcast on iTunes. We'll catch you again in a couple weeks. Hopefully Zach will be back. Uh, but until then, have fun watching movies. Despite your crass behavior, I'm glad we were able to do this together.